Welcome back to the Transfer Portal CFB Podcast. I'm Brendan Heffernan. Back to you for another week uh, here, you know, getting into our off-season coverage. And once again, I'm joined by my man, Mark Thomas. How you doing, Mark? Doing good, brother. Man. Long time no see, man. For I miss sure. you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. You know, we've all been kind of trying to, you know, get get through all these, all these uh you know, preview magazine work, you know, I think, uh, I think we're, it's all, all coming together. Very excited to, to be sharing that with all you, uh, you know, very intelligent and, uh, and attractive, you know, transfer portal listeners and, and readers. Um, you know, I think that's, that's, that's all coming down the pike, good things coming down the pike. And today we've got, got some more good stuff for you is maybe evidenced by, by my man, Mark's background choice today. Uh, you know, we're going to be sitting with, a very happy and peaceful college football program, uh, at least right now, <laughs> with uh, with the Florida Gators. So, so Mark, can you tell me about uh, about why you got Mister Mullen up up there today? Um, I mean, after reading the um, the magazine, I mean, not the magazine, but the article written by the athletic Andy Staples. The athletic does a great. By the way, the athletic does a great job of writing articles. So, smooth to those guys. Um. But yeah, man, he wrote an article which was kind of interesting to me. Uh, I guess he was talking about the downfall of Florida football as we know it, or just Florida athletics in general. Um, it was it was a lot of interesting things in that article, but I guess some of the things that stood out was more so the financial part and more so of the football side of things. Like, how do you go from Urban Meyer, um, Charlie Strong, those guys down there, kind of you know. And the, uh, Charlie Strong defense down the committee, class A felony assaults every Saturday. Um, that's how I kind of got into the ball of college football, just watching those guys. Um, and then you go go from national prominence to to the Billy Napier era where you're trying to figure it out how to get back down to it. Um, yeah, man, Florida football is just an interesting state right now. It has been for the last six to seven years. I'm going from Muschamp uh, from McElhaney to Muschamp and then to Mullen. Um, there's a lot of things down there that just didn't really sit right with me. Um, because obviously they did a, uh, for the most part, every coach did a solid job of recruiting, but they never were able to get like or like to get those like t- uh, upper echelon guys. But even still, you're able to get some solid prospects. Still got a guy like Kyle Pitts, uh, Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony, um, and you got Felipe Franks. Like, who you got, you got some decent, you got some decent players down there. The first guys who turned out to be first round picks. But it was interesting for me to just see that like they never really like competed um for a national championship. I mean, outside of the 2016 year when they went to the SEC championship, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just think that Florida football is just an interesting state right now. Um, because I know guys were talking about like guys were very excited about having Napier um as their coach and now as the season went went through, and it was like, oh, let's get rid of Napier. Oh, Napier's not getting these kids and Napier can't compete with the big boys in college football, but you have to give us the time. I think Florida has mm-hmm. to kind of just readjust the expectations here. Like, yeah, like at once, yeah, you were like Alabama. You were looked upon as the top dog of college football. However, got things have changed. Since, uh, college football has has changed as we know it. Like, you got the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you have, like, a, a bunch of schools are using that to their advantage. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, Marlon may not have to be able to compete, or previous coaches may uh, weren't able to compete with the likes of Kirby Smart at Georgia or Nick Saban 
at Alabama or uh, coaches that was at LSU and Eddie O and now you got Les Miles. Like, yeah, you probably could have recruited, but there are also other schools that could not that 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 wasn't uh, recruiting on that level, but they were able to be successful and able to sustain success overall. It wasn't like a flash mm-hmm. of pain. Like teams have stayed consistent over the course of time. So I think Florida right now is in an interesting spot. Um, they're gonna have to do a lot of uh, adjustment, but they also but they also have uh, a kid DJ Lagway that's that's committed and he's starting to do a great job of um, getting other kids to flip from other schools. So the future could be looking bright right now, Florida and down there on Gainesville. So it's gonna be interesting to see man, if they're gonna really give Billy some time to fix this because this isn't uh, a two to three year process. This is more yeah. so of like a four to five year process, and I think. And like I said, in, in society, like we want to like how give coaches three years and then all right, did you fix it? Yes or no? Like you can't yeah. really do that. Like you have to kind of let this thing grow and play play itself out. So I mean, overall, I like Napier. Napier is a, a hell of a coach, a very respected in the industry. So I think you give him some time and give him um, just just that him and his, him him and his entire staff. To just grow and develop these recruiting classes, I think you're going to see great results in one day. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, you made you raised a lot of good points, and I do think uh, you know the last, I guess now 15 years um, since sort of the the last, uh, you know, so the Urban Meyer era kind of came to an end. There has been pretty interesting because uh, there hasn't been any real sustained success. You might say, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of it is is interesting because, like you mentioned, like, it's not like they don't have guys, you know, like, for instance, like McElwain brought in, you know, a lot of NFL talent. Like, they must champ too, you know, throughout that. They've had a lot of NFL players kind of in the the last, um, you know, this era where they, you know, haven't won the conference or or sort of, you know, been, been where they want to be at the end. Um so I think it, it's it's all kind of very interesting, um, you know, sort of how stuff breaks. I mean, a lot of uh, what sort of the article in The Athletic was getting into um, from Andy Staples was sort of about uh, about various ways that Florida sort of was behind in terms of facilities um, for a long time, you know, mentioning that there was a 30-year gap between when um, Alabama had an indoor practice facility, for instance, versus when they did. Um, and, you know, I, I think they, they quote like sort of Steve Spurrier, um, you know, kind of talking about like, oh, like, you know, we don't need that here. Uh, like, you know, they, we don't need all these things when they sort of were behind in a number of ways, including having um, a football specific sort of space, uh, which, you know, now they're they're in the process or have, have been in the process of sort of they leveled their baseball stadium to kind of make room for uh, for something um, new for both the the baseball team and for the uh, a, a football specific facility, which you know is kind of what you expect, particularly in the SEC. Um, at this point, like you you know, I, I mean, there there's UMass built a 120 million dollar uh, football specific st- uh, facility in like 2018. You know, so this is some obvious stuff that I think you could argue they've been a step behind on um, and are sort of moving that way. But I think the the thing going forward is, um, you know, Billy Napier has been very clear from day one that this wasn't going to be a, uh, a quick process, you know, through, throughout the time he's been there, he's been including on this off season, he's been hammering home patience 
you know, and I think it's interesting, you know, I understand to some extent, some of the ways that people felt uh, year one was kind of underwhelming. I mean, on the one hand, you have a quarterback who gets taken fourth overall um, in the NFL draft and the offense is, is uninspiring, you know? And I think a lot of that isn't on the quarterback. I think a lot of that is generally, um, you know, I felt like the, the sort of what they had on, um, on the edge of their offense last year, just, you know, wasn't, wasn't cutting it, you know, it, it from on a number of levels from their, uh, their skill position talent in 2022 in terms of, you know, the, the routes, like you watch, you watch the, uh, I think what, what, what kind of got people really high on Anthony Richardson is you would watch the the actual plays and be like, oh, wow, they're leaving like so much meat on the bone here. Um, so I think I understand like um, some of the disappointment with that, uh, the kind of like underwhelming success with having him in the in the room for, you know, one season and now step in, into probably the Graham Mertz experience uh, for 2023, which, you know, is not I not necessarily something that I think Florida fans are excited about right now. Um but I mean I think you you watch like I said I, I think I'm very high on, on Billy Napier as a coach. I think what he built at Louisiana um you know speaks like completely maximized that program. You know, a program that had never won uh 10, 10 games uh in back to back seasons before he got there. And they won over 10 games three years in a row. You know, I think he had one one season where they didn't win 10 games. I think clearly he's a good coach and I think he was a great hire. And I really love the staff that he's built. Um, and I think one of the things that really, really um, kind of rubbed people the wrong way at Florida about Mullen was he, I remember he would talk about stuff like, you know, basically be the anti-Saban in terms of the like, Oh, you know, we're not as worried about recruiting. You know, we got to coach the games or whatever. You know, uh, mm. that, that kind of that kind of thing, which just isn't going to fly. You know, and I think it's been clear that that attitude isn't isn't there right now um, with Napier. I mean, the other thing I think that's worth mentioning about Dan Mullen, who I think is an outstanding football coach. You know, in 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 many ways, uh, but wait, where he was coming from at Mississippi State, it was a different. Um, it was a different, very different job in terms of what you need to do to be successful there. Like he was, you know, you look at someone like Dak Prescott, who I think was being recruited to be a tight end out of high school by, by some, uh, by like LSU and, you know, making that your, you know, all-time quarterback. So I think he was, he was a guy, he was a guy who was sort of known for taking the three stars and sort of getting them through the program and turn them into, you know, solid plus SEC players, which isn't the job at Florida. You know, Florida, there's an expectation to be uh, stacking top 100 players on your roster, like Georgia's doing right now, like Alabama's doing right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is what is the main task for for Billy Napier. I, I don't think there's a chance he gets fired after this year in some ways because of how his contract is set up with the buyout, like um, Dan Mullen had like a flat buyout where it would have cost the same to fire him when they did if we're firing this year, fire him the year after. Uh, Napier's contract isn't set up that way. Uh, I think, you know, as we mentioned, all the facility stuff, like I don't think 
I, I think he's safe this year, especially unless something really terrible happens. Like if they go six and six wins again, like I think he's fine. But I do think year three uh, is going to be a little bit of a different conversation. Oh, for sure. I, I think yeah, Napier definitely has all what it takes from a coaching standpoint to to be able to like out coach a lot of guys, out scheme a lot of coaches. Um, but I think it's just a matter of just like I said, like trying to get these guys to buy into what he's selling. Like, you got to think, like, last year was his first year. So this is basically like Dan Mullen's team, but it's like you're trying to fit these kids into this culture. Some kids may not fit into it, so you have to try to get rid of the bad apples, and you have to try to get rid of and you try to have to try to bring in your guys to try to fit into your system, try to buy into what you're selling as a, from a culture standpoint. Um, but, yeah, I think they'll be fine, but like I said, you have to adjust the expectations. You have to tweak it just a little bit. Like down to down, like a second, like I get it, like excuse me, like I get it, like you got down there in Miami, like they're not they're not on the best of terms as mm-hmm. far as like they're they're still trying to figure it out as well. But also down the road, you got in Tallahassee, like you have from an in-state standpoint, like you have Florida State, who's down there killing the interest, yeah. like, or the, rocking out. So you look at that as like, oh, so like we're not the big dog no more. So we really have a lot of work to do, and that's okay. Like everybody, every every college pro majority, every college program go go goes through this type of thing, and I think they'll be all right. But from an SEC standpoint, I think you really have to lower the expectations a little bit. I mean, just steady, like pro- progress. Like obviously, Georgia's the big dog now, right? And then Alabama's is snipping snipping the big dog. Mm-hmm. So now. Florida is like we want to say as far as the entire SEC, we probably would say they're like middle tier, yeah, middle to low, middle almost to lower tier. But they can fix that though. We're just we're just trying to like kill the transfer, like run, like kill kill it in the transfer portal, and just try to like like I said, re- recruit and develop. That's all you can do right now. Recruit and develop. Yeah, I think I've heard uh, you know. I think what they've done in the transfer portal has been a little interesting I, in terms of bringing folks in. Like, there's definitely some guys to be excited about. Um, I want to make sure, hope I'm pronouncing this gentleman's name, but I remember when he was in high school, uh, Kiwana Goodwin, uh, who was like the super number five star tackle, tackle yeah. number one tackle yeah, from yeah. Uh, who yeah. went to Kentucky. Uh, he's there now. Um, you know, that's a guy that people have been looking at as an NFL player since he was, what, like 14. You know, he's 6'8", 340. So that'll be interesting. They brought in a lot of offensive linemen uh, through the portal. Uh, in addition to him, um, they got uh, a guy from Baylor, uh, a guard from Baylor, you know, like who was a, a consensus four-star at a high school. So, like, they're doing some stuff. But, um, I mean, you know – I think they got a defensive lineman from Louisville um, that people are that people are pretty excited about. Um, but uh, I mean, I know one recently is uh, so there are now two kind of of uh, the top. So I think SEC level uh, defensive backs who uh, left from Louisiana that uh, Billy Napier recruited, you know, out of high school. And the first one, Trey Amos, uh, he uh, he went to Alabama. You know, um, Florida offered him, so he chose to he chose to to go go there, which I think stung a little bit for some Florida fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he's going to have a, a chance to uh, potentially be their be their second corner, uh, 
over there and, you know, kind of chose that over potentially having maybe even less competition in the room at Florida. Um, and then that now there's Cam Podescalo uh, is another, you know, probably SEC level kind of like star um, who's also in the portal. So I don't know if Florida is in on him or what's happening there, but that'll be, that'll be interesting. So I think, you know, when you compare it maybe to what they've done in the portal to like a Florida state, um, you know, historically, or, or, uh, you know, I don't know, or kind of the, at the top end, I, I'm not sure that, that I would put them in that, that same category, but they have done some interesting things. I, uh, I think it's only up from here. Like you, you normally have nowhere sure. to go, but up, like you can't get no lower than, I mean, you could get lower than this. Like you could be a few programs out here that's just on the struggle bus and has been on the struggle bus for like the last five years. But I don't think Florida, uh, whoever, whoever, whoever's running the, the Florida program, I don't think that will ever let that happen. So, I mean, killing in a portal, do as best as you can. Uh, just try, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get the top guys out of the portal, but like you have to get guys that's going to be able to just like plug and play right away. Mm-hmm. If you want to like kind of expedite the process a little bit. I mean, you could do it the Deion Sanders way and just kick up half the damn team and then just bring in a bunch of transfer portal kids you want to do it that way, but that's going to make the process even harder because you got to kind of like, I think I talked about this last week, like you have to like think about bringing in excellent supportive kids and you have to try to, like, these kids need to learn an entire offense in like three months, three to yeah. six months, depending on whenever they transfer. So, I mean, you have to have, a, the thing about it is you have to have a good mix of portal kids and program kids. If you have a good sure. mix of that, right, those program kids could he- help expedite the process and and like let and helping these portal kids fit into the program, right? Sure. Obviously, transfer kids who transfer, obviously, like you know, he ain't coming out the my spot, or you know, he he, mm-hmm. he you know, you know, how competition, uh, competition thing. So, sure, at the end of the day, like, yeah, man, like, yeah, at the end of the day, like, guys are gonna come in with a with an ego. But it's just a matter of just how how those program kids are going to take these portal kids. That's a, and that's kind of like the, the thing I'm I'm like a lot of people don't really look at mm-hmm. as far as like kids transferring into programs. Like you got to kind of like egos are going to clash. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the win total for this year is going to be? Good lord, um, that is a great. Question. Let me take a the, look at the schedule. The non-conference is so they, go to non-conference. they go to Utah. Uh, you know, that did home, home and home with them. Then then they have McNeese and Charlotte, kind of two paycheck games. Uh, and then you know the uh-huh. I guess there and then Florida State is the of course at the last week of the season. And from the uh from the West, they play uh LSU at LSU. Uh November 11th, uh, they get Arkansas at home, which I think this is like the first time Arkansas has played at Florida in like I think so. eight yes. years or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one that people always bring up is just like no one who goes to Arkansas gets to go play in the swamp. Uh, so that, that's mm-hmm. cool. So that's happening. Um, so, yeah. So then to to uh at to Kentucky this year, which you know they went down and beat them last year. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's not. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, my, I would. Okay, I would say ceiling for this uh, Florida team would be probably 
eight wins. Yeah, okay. Ceiling and then floor. Ooh. Probably five. Yeah, that'd be tough. I think right now there's what four teams that I think generally people around college football feel better about between Utah, um, Georgia, obviously, LSU and Florida State. Like I think people expect those four teams to or in Tennessee. I don't know if I mentioned them. I think people expect those teams to all be better than Florida this year, which is is tough. Um, so then like you're talking about Kentucky and USC uh, or South Carolina that you think maybe kind of a toss up and then you have Missouri and, and uh, Vanderbilt rounding out the conference. So it's going to be tough. I mean, it's always going to be tough. You know, if when you're trying to sort of go from being, you know, lower middle class to in the SEC to like, you know, kind of white tablecloths, if you will. Right. But, yeah. uh, like uh, that's never going to be easy, but I don't know. I think I would put if they improve their win total by one, I think if they get to seven this year in the regular season, especially mm-hmm. if they get to seven, then I think that I'm, I think that, that you can feel okay about it. And then the next year, uh, like a, a seven wins with like good, with good trends, you know, I think the yeah. offense looking like, I mean, it's tough, you know, like, I don't think, like they didn't want Graham Mertz to stay at Wisconsin, you know, like they didn't want they, they didn't want to bring him back. And I think uh, you know, maybe, maybe he can he can have like a like we've seen sort of veteran quarterbacks that kind of stick around for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, figure it out. I mean, I think he's he'll be he's turning twenty-three or, you know, in his fifth year in college, fifth year as a starter, pretty much. Um, so you know, I mean we could see something there, but I think I think there's, you know, structural things about, you know, maybe the run defense, maybe just looking a little more polished on offense that you'd also want to see on top of maybe uh, improving the win, win total a little bit. But I don't know. I don't know if there's any, anything, any benchmarks you're sort of looking for as well. No. Um, I mean, man, no, no Jack Miller. No. Well, what's the deal with Jack Miller? Yeah. What, what? Yeah. He was one of the top quarterbacks coming out of high school. Yeah. I remember no watching this kid. I I thought he was I, – now, I think him and Brock probably were around the same time, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think Brock was probably one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen up close and personal coming out of high school. But I think Jack Miller wasn't too far fresh season. So I don't know what exactly is going on. I think if I, – I mean, I don't know. I mean, hopefully Florida fans can help me figure this out. Like what's the what's the deal with him? Because I don't think Mertz is it personally. Me, me I, I, I just don't think – Mertz is it. I mean, he had he had his COVID season, that he, his breakout COVID season during that during that time. But he just, I guess, guys just figured him out. Like, I mean, he, he's a good quarterback mechanically, and as far as like talent, he's he's solid. But it's like, yeah. can he process everything else and put it yeah. together on the field? I think that's something with Mertz. He was a, yeah, he was a five star. You know, he's yeah. got like that pedigree, for sure. Um, yeah, but. Anyway, speaking of quarterbacks, you know, we, we were sort of looking around around the country. I mean, I think, you know, thinking about just the overall situations at a lot of different schools. And I, I was, you know, wondering sort of who do you who do you see this year as sort of being 
kind of the quarterbacks that that we're all gonna all gonna be looking to, you know, throughout the year. Kind of, I think I think be a little bit of diversity, you know, is for the average college football consumer trying to kind of get into the whole stuff going on in the whole country. You know, who who are you gonna be checking for on Saturdays? Um, so the first person that stands out to me um, is down in West Lafayette, Indiana, okay. uh, Hudson Card. Uh, I I thought Hudson was better than Quinn at Texas. I have no idea why he didn't get the job. I think this kid is probably going to be the a top five quarterback in college football. I think honestly, okay. I mean he's not he's not he's not going to get the media coverage that all the other guys are going to get. But I think when you watch his film, when you watch what he does. I think he's he's he has one of the best arms yeah. in in all of college football. He has great ball placement, and I think this Purdue team could honestly make some noise in the Big Ten and potentially go to a uh, Big Ten championship. I don't see anybody really stopping, especially in the West. God knows, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing in the West that 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 Purdue can't handle. So I think whoever's I don't know who's the OC at Purdue, but I know. Whoever whoever it is, I know they they know the type of talent Hudson Card ha- is, and I know the receivers that Purdue is going to be some no unknown like some unknown guy, but he's going to have a breakout year just because of the type of quarterback that Hudson Card is. Now another quarterback, obviously, I think we all know down the road, Sam Hartman down there in Notre Dame. I think yeah. Sam Hartman is going to. I have some say so in the in the quarter, especially when you talk about being draft eligible. I think he's going to try to make make a case for himself that he should be one of the top quarterbacks coming out of college. Um, uh, I mean, obviously we know what Caleb Williams and a lot of these guys are, Drake May, but I think Sam Hartman is one of those like po- not pocket passer quarterbacks, but he's able to just be mobile in the pocket and just like stay sure. and be be stout in the pocket and make throws. Like, I think that's one of the most underrated talents uh, that evaluators kind of miss on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he can sit there in the pocket and make the throws. Um, he has good – he has good – he has good arm strength. He definitely has one of the best best arms in college as well um, as far as, like, making those, like, comeback throws and, like, those, those timing throws. I think he's yeah. definitely one of the more – more underrated quarterbacks in that in that category. So I think those two um, definitely stand out to me. Um, so I, I don't I don't know if they play each other. I don't think they play each other. I would no. say I would have yeah. yeah. No, I feel like Notre Dame hasn't been playing Big Ten teams for like the last I don't I don't remember. I guess they play Ohio State now. Uh they have like oh, a yeah. series with them. But like yeah, they had all these uh trophy games or whatever historic rivalries with like the Michigan schools that they cut out a while ago. I was about to say that used to be that used to be a thing where they used yeah. to play um like Purdue and Notre Dame have some type of rivalry. So I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah. What's going on. Probably some some weird weird trophy. <laughs> some yeah. some piece of farm equipment. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think those those are two two uh good good examples of of, of transfer guys for sure. I mean, I yeah, I think people have kind of under discussed Sam Hartman in particular. You know, it's going to be interesting to see him kind of in a new structure because obviously Wake Forest is such a unique offense with the the slow mesh. Um, you know, but I think he ran that extremely well. And I think it's one of the things a lot of people just, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of 
read and a different kind of calculus that you you know goes to playing the quarterback in that offense versus like a traditional RPO uh, kind of system. But I think it's the the precision and consistency that he ran that for his you know eleven years at, at Wake Forest as their starter. Um, <laughs> I think like I think it speaks very highly to his acumen and stuff. And I think stepping into um, a Notre Dame team that's very talented. You know, but I think he's obviously took their lumps last year and, um, you know, is looking to sort of uh, establish a new identity for themselves. I think particularly on offense uh, with Tommy Rees leaving with Michael Mayer, who's been there, Bell Cow for the last three years. I think I think that's a very intriguing situation, definitely one um, that I'll be watching too. I mean, I think another one uh, of sort of maybe of shifting – uh, context that I'm still very excited to see uh, would be uh, Grayson McCall, you know, at Coastal this year. I mean, I think certainly kind of the best um, when kind of you, you look towards as, as the best uh, G5 quarterback or sort of the most celebrated one that we have coming back. Um, but, you know, with a, a new a new system, I'm not entirely sh- certain um, how different the o- offense is going to be, especially because it was so optimized. Uh, for the Jamie Chadwell, you know, kind of shotgun triple sort of thing that they, they've they been doing. I, I mean, one of the most entertaining offenses in the country the last couple of years. I mean, I think, uh, you know, so much of their personnel, like especially on the offensive line, is really optimized uh, for that kind of thing. You know, for smaller guys getting to the the second second level more often um, than maybe double teaming. Like I remember, you know, this is kind of old news. But I, I thought it was just so sick when that offense really hit like the national conversation. They had like a 5'9", 225 pound center. Like they were, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was just some very, very cool, <laughs> very cool stuff that sort of, you know, um, I, before then it had been a couple of years, you know, since we'd really, really seen that kind of with from like a nationally ranked team. So um, I'm not entirely certain what the offensive identity is going to look like. I imagine they're going to be using his skills in sort of similar ways, um, you know, with their new scheme. But I mean, he's kind of the guy that I think you can still put him in that category where it's like, okay, if, if whatever cable provider, streamer, whatever, these games are going to be on this uh, <laughs> this fall. Like, I think that they're, you're always going to want to watch Coastal as long as he's there. I mean, last, last summer at this time, like, Coastal's SID was like sending out Heisman like packets for him to all the voters, <laughs> like no joke. Like they're really pushing that, and I don't think that's there right now. Like I don't think them. I mean, for one, I don't know how high I am as Coastal as a team in total. Like I, I don't necessarily. Um, I put them kind of in sort of that that second tier of a of Sun Belt team right now, um, in terms in terms of their uh, returning talent. But I mean, he's just such a he's just a pretty awesome player. Um, I think another for if we're looking for someone that we haven't really seen yet. Uh, but I think has the potential to uh, become a household name this fall would be Drew Aller at Penn State. Um, you know, he's super young. I think he's like a maybe a redshirt sophomore, maybe a rich redshirt freshman even. Yeah, he's 19. Um, a guy from Medina, Ohio, five-star who committed real early to Penn State. Uh, and I think a lot of people wanted to see more of him last year. We got, uh, you know, he started their bowl game. Um, I got it, got it a couple other times. I think clearly very, very talented, you know, uh, 
was one of like kind of the super high risers throughout his recruitment. You know, he didn't really come on until maybe his after his junior season uh, that he was really getting attention. You know, he was uh, one of the like best performers at the Elite Eleven camp his year. Um, and for those that don't know, Medina High School is like basically the only <laughs> one of the only high schools uh, in the state of Ohio that like throws the ball a ton. You know that like that uh, has that pedigree like. Yeah, you know, or uh, with him, like, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole whole other tangent, but uh, yeah, he's a guy that I think I've been in, interested in, in watching since uh, since he committed to Penn State, uh, and you know, he's the guy this year, and they got a great roster around him. You know, I think this is as excited as I've been about a Penn State team at this point in the year in a long time, uh, and I think that that's something that sort of permeated permeated nationally like i wouldn't be surprised if they're you know slated as kind of a, a top 10 team or maybe in the first half of the you know teens kind of to start this season and um i'm excited to see them i think week one they play west virginia uh so that should be on national tv and so that should be a should matchup be where he, yeah that should be a uh a matchup that i think he can kind of really introduce himself in against a team that they should outmatch especially on uh on that side of the ball I'm definitely excited. I know we're a little off topic here, but I'm definitely excited mm-hmm. for that for that for that one two that young one two punch they got out there. Happy Valley, uh, Nick Nick Singletary. He's a he's mm-hmm. he's one. He he yeah they're, they're gonna be good. Top five yeah he's top five bag. Him and K trying out those they they just get to it man. I'm I'm excited to watch them do. I, I mean I didn't watch much of Penn State last year, but when I did, mm-hmm. it always impressed me. So I'll definitely be watching Penn State a lot more this year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um something I, I was also kind of kind of curious about is uh you know we didn't necessarily uh talk about this, but I think Penn State is, is really an interesting example of kind of teams with sort of as like the playoff structure has changed, as I think a job that becomes like a lot more attractive. Um, and like a destination for recruits because I, I think Penn State, you know, there's a lot of years that they would have been in the playoff so far. Like if it was a 12 team situation, yeah. you know, being that like set second or third Big Ten team. So especially with divisions going away, where it's like, you know, they were, it was kind of tough because they had a, always had Ohio State they, that they couldn't Michigan, get over yeah. and Michigan when Michigan ascended. Mm-hmm. You know, that and, you know, they just never I don't think they played in a unless I'm mistaken, I don't think they ever played in the Big Ten championship. Um, or so far, I don't think they, they've done that because it was Michigan State before when Ohio, when Ohio State was uh, when it wasn't Ohio State. Uh, I could I could be wrong. <laughs> Penn State fans can, can come get me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think but I think that um, with just kind of the structure of the sport changing a little bit, like I think that's a team that every single year can expect to be on the bubble if not in there. Um, so I think that, that that's interesting. I think that's going to open up some, some things for them. Yeah. I, I think Penn state is just one of those teams. Like, like you said, like there's just, they always get the the bad hand at the, at the poker table. It's like, they always like, they got the talent to compete at the national level, but it's always like, Ohio State and then Michigan, it's like constantly every year, and they never get the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like, I mean, it's not fair, but it, I mean, it is what it is. But I think 
Penn State right now, I think, like I said, I think they're probably one of the best teams right now. Like, I mean, I think I think this could be the year like you they could catch Ohio State slipping. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I think this, this could be the year. Cause I think that offensive line, I think majority of those mm -hmm. guys are coming back, and they're gonna be yeah. in that weight room. They're great better, last year, and they're gonna be better than ever. I mean, obviously, I know Ohio State's going to be um, pretty solid in the churches as well, but I just think, like, what, once that ground game gets going for Penn State, I think it's just hard for them to stop. And I think it's going to be easier for Drew Allen to, to come into the office where he mm -hmm. doesn't have to do much. So once he understands, like, if he once he understands that, yeah. and you let those those that, those horses back there run, I, I, I don't think, if you just kind of ease him, he just kind of just, like, pick, like, Picking poison, making throws, and not in the offensive coordinator and not putting a lot on. I, yeah, I think this Penn State team could be definitely scary at, at some point. I think don't be surprised if they knock Ohio State in the mouth. I just, I'm, I'm, I just, I want to be surprised, and I don't want people to be surprised by it because Penn State is just really that good. Yeah, I think I would like to see them get Ohio State or Michigan. You know, I would like to see them get one of the two. And I think if they don't, then I would understand being frustrated with that. You know, even if it's even if they win the rest. You know, I mean, because that's I think that, and th those are going to be you know tough games, obviously. But I mean, Michigan's at home. I'm not sure if Ohio State's at home, but ah, uh, yeah. You you would I think I think they Ohio State came to uh to them last year, so it's probably in Columbus, but. Yeah, I think I think this is the year you want to see you want to see them win one of the games. You want to cross that off. And I mean, I'm not saying that you know that they should change course as a program uh, if they don't, because I think they're doing a lot a lot of great things. They're the best recruiter on the East Coast of the country. You know, they're the best in the state of Virginia right now, pulling players out of there. Like they they're running at a pretty for what Penn State is. I think they're running at a pretty close to their peak capacity. Uh, right now, and I think the fact that I think they've got one of the more organized um, NIL apparatuses, if I'm not mistaken, it's like run at least sort of their main collectives, like basically run through the school, um, you know, and, and however that's that's able to be done. And I think, you know, seeing some of the players that kind of came back, um, you know, I think might, might speak to that a little bit. So I think the future is bright there, and I think it's only getting brighter with the uh, – with kind of the change of the format to the sport. But uh, yeah, I mean, I also think that they're probably going to get USC as one of their permanent opponents. Like, I don't know. That's just mm -hmm. like a, a belief I have. I think that USC is going to get UCLA, Ohio State, and Penn State every year, uh, which I think, you know, is kind of also, is kind of good for Penn State um, to an extent because like you want that, that marquee win mm -hmm. on your schedule. Uh, but at the same time, like, Okay, you're going from Ohio State and Michigan every year to probably Ohio State and USC every year. So, uh, like I I mentioned, like oh hey, divisions are going away. Like maybe that's gonna help. But when I think about it a little bit more, like probably not. <laughs> you know, it's still gonna be <laughs> tough. You're still gonna be in the big, uh, in the big oh big two conference. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's real at this point. It's real. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, you know, another thing that we were talking about is we're moving into a new era of college football, having a little off-season fun, thinking about the past, 
thinking about some of our favorite teams that we've ever, ever seen play the sport uh, and kind of making some little, little fantasy national championship games. So I, I was wondering, you brought this to me, Mark. So what's on your mind with this combo? So I wanted to do this conversation just because I, I think it's an interesting topic just because we've gone through so many different eras and phases of the game of football as mm-hmm. it has transitioned, especially when we talk about from a collegiate standpoint. Um, you go from 20, you go from, I guess, the um, Bud Wilkinson, Oklahoma teams to the Bear Bryant to the Jimmy Johnsons at Miami to the mm-hmm. – Coach Osborne, Nebraska, to uh, the, I guess, the microwave dynasty at Miami in the 2000s, and then USC, and then Florida. And, then, like, you, 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 like, we've gone through all of these phases. So I was just interested to see, like, who, what what will be, like, you guys' dream matchups? You know, just leave it in the comment section. Uh, leave, put it on Twitter. Tell, tell us about it. So what would be your – so I'm going to ask you first. What would okay. be your dream scenario? Like, I, like top three games. If you had three games to pick from, what 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 six teams what, would you want to see going? Oh man, okay. <laughs> I mean, just starting like the first thing that like uh, I thought of of just like an interesting experiment, um, and this isn't necessarily like best team. Well, maybe not necessarily the best team of all time sort of game, but I would want to see Cam Newton Auburn versus. Georgia Bulldogs 2021. I would want to watch that because we're talking about essentially what I think is rightfully discussed as like the best individual offensive player of my lifetime. Uh, you know, arguably ever the best individual offset offensive season by a player on a team on an offense that had no other NFL draft picks uh, against a team that was like 14 or 15 deep of NFL draft picks. And I think also uh, speaks to just how much Cam also changed college football. Like how, like, especially like at the, and it, it's not just him, you know, it's sort of a, a proliferation of, of other things, but just how much faster linebackers are now. Yeah. Um, and with, you know, and that this, the, the spacing of the game being so different, like, but I think a, a matchup of like, okay, we have, have Cam, a quarterback and a Kobe Dean at middle linebacker would just be so entertaining. Uh, and I think, I mean, if I'm really just focusing on the offense and, and the defense is what I'm talking about. I think Georgia is probably a better team overall would probably win the game, but I don't know. I think it would be, I think it would be exciting uh, yeah. for, for sure. So, I mean, that's kind of where my mind went first when you're talking about sort of fantasy matchups. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna go with the 1995 Nebraska Cornhusker National yeah. Championship team yeah. versus the 2003 USC Trojans. I think yeah, that's sick. Two different, two two different forms of offenses, but principles still stay the same. Both are smash mouth mm-hmm. based off of the horses that they have in the backfield. When you talk about Nebraska, you talk about Tommy Frazier. Um, you talk about mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Phillips, Amari Green, those guys. Then USC, you had Reggie Bush, Lindell White. So both physical presence, but just to see like that that, that Trojan defense versus that option offense. Like, yeah, like, what, like, option. Yeah, like who's stopping Tommy Frazier? Like who's like can these DS contain? Are they are they gonna stay home? Are they gonna be yeah. disciplined? Like is 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 that interior? Um, are those inside linebackers and uh? 
one of three techniques gonna be get disciplined and uh, and playing the dive. Um, like when mm-hmm. Lawrence Phillips get loose, like are you gonna really go go up and tackle Lawrence Phillips like that? You know, like that. that those are things like I would want to see. And then obviously the if you flip it, two thousand three USC offense mm-hmm. was just like a, a juggernaut, right? No doubt. And so Reggie Bush, Lindell White run game. Then you had uh, Mike Williams at receiver. You had uh was was it Liner at quarterback? No, was that Palmer? No, that was Liner. That was Liner. That was Liner. Yeah, that was Liner. Yep. So like you had him back there versus a a, a defense in uh, Nebraska that was like, I mean, I don't want to say I don't know it was some some accusations of you know some of the juice. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but to see like those guys, because those guys like kind of play like downhill fast. They they play the yeah. like could those guys turn and run? Like could those guys like run the alley? Like you know, like mm-hmm. you know, like like can those safeties and DBs like cover these guys? Like can this interior, uh, can this front seven uh be able to fit the run and and, and go up against a guy like Lindell? I mean, are you going to mm-hmm. stop Reggie Bush? So I think that's something. That's interesting to see. That that would be my what one of my uh, dreams. For sure. I think it'd be fun to see uh Tommy Frazier in, in like a modern like option offense. Like not that I don't love like the old I mean like I love like the flex bone, especially with Genoa's and what what Nebraska was running through the, those dynasties. It was sort of a, a very a different oriented kind of option football than sort of what we see now. But I don't know. I think that would that would be pretty interesting. I don't know what you think about that. Now I think I would like to see Tommy. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you remember this quarterback. He was at Navy, mm-hmm. Ricky yeah. Dobbs. Yeah, Ricky. Ricky. I love watching Ricky. Dobbs. Yeah, he was like sure. a short, stout, like chunky guy just up there on the center. But yeah, he, he knew how to run the football. Like if I saw yeah. Tommy Frazier and that, like that offense, like put up fifty a game. It's just yeah. off him alone. You have to try to like key on yeah. him, and then everybody that opens up the offense for everybody else. Yeah, I yeah. think that this is this isn't something we talked about, and this is straying a little bit away, but it's something that I think we need to talk about on this program. Uh and you know, I, if it's something I missed that that you know we t- we talked about in another episode, but mm-hmm. I think it. So there's not going to be a full time flex bone offense in college football this year. Because Army and Navy have both departed to like the spread option. And so I think the only team that's going to be using it, which is Air Force, which is traditionally seen as like the not purest service academy. You know, they've been using a, a mixture for a while. And Kennesaw State also dropped it last year. So they're going to be coming up the FBS, not running it. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern is traditionally an option football team. They're not doing it. I mean, I think like Every once in a while, Willie Fritz will they'll go out in the flex bone, but like obviously that's not their main identity offensively. And you know, it's they're sort of citing the uh I think there, there's a number of reasons to it. And I'm, you know, like a lot of <laughs> college football hipsters or whatever, I have, you know, a strong affinity for for the flex bone. So I'm I'm just one wondering sort of what your your perception of the of that is. I mean, in college football, I feel like guys want to kind of like adapt to the to the current times a little bit as far mm-hmm. as like you see a lot of RPO and stuff like that. But all of this stuff is our principal off of the option offense. Yeah. So I think for them to kind of switch, I think it's good, but I think it kind of like lose. I think college football is still kind of losing this tradition a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like 
Army, Navy, like, I, I would love to see them, like, guys, like, those slugfests of, like, you know what's coming. We run a, yeah. pretty much the same entire offense, so we know what's coming. Like, it, it's it's, just, it's going to be different for sure. Like, I mean, because every kid isn't meant to play, like, in a spread offense or, like, mm -hmm. every kid may not want to, like, you you a running back like you go put like I think of like SMU right back in the day the the, the, um, the Pony yeah. Express yeah with right. what they did right so like you could play like you could still be successful in an option offense I mean as far as like running backs are concerned because number one your body would be fresher you're not gonna take a lot of beating yeah. um and then two I mean you you can still like score a lot of points especially. Like if you got like two capable backs back there that you like uh defensive coordinators need to have the scheme more, I think you guys I think you open up the offense just a lot more because the guys are gonna be focused on you. You can open up the pass game more, like you can do so much out of the yeah. option offense. So I, I think, yeah, man, I, I mean I understand uh me and current with the times, but I feel I still think that that's the tradition of college football because you're not gonna get that in the NFL. So this is like yeah. I mean, unless you want to watch some I mean, for me, like Illinois is like one A, like every school in one A literally ran yeah. ran the same entire offense. We were yeah. like the only team that ran spread, so it was like, oh, okay, just same thing. Like this is scout report. Oh, okay, basically the same thing every week. So, yeah, man, I I think it's it's definitely a tradition that that's gonna be missed, but I mm -hmm. think it's it's definitely good for I guess uh, keeping up with the times. Yeah, I think it's complicated because I think one of the main things we've seen is like triple coaches don't get jobs. You know, like I think, uh, ba like if you follow like any any like high school coaches on Twitter that are about like sharing film about that offense, like they're talking about the Arizona uh Candy Montaloa debacle like once a month. Of <laughs> where if you if you remember, he was gonna he was basically like he was gonna get that job to go out there to go to Arizona, which would have been awesome for Navy. And the service academies in general, because there's such a stigma that you go there and that's the last job you ever have if you're a head coach. You know, people aren't people team. aren't yeah, people aren't aren't hiring you out of there, which I think is something we're seeing right now, and I think feeds into part of why uh they're ditching the triple. Uh is like the that I, I think that plays into it. But yeah, you know, so I think for me, like I do really enjoy watching it. And I think for a program at, that has structural disadvantages, um, and I think there's a lot of programs that I think this could apply to. I think it just helps to, it just works, you know, like yeah. there's ways that it just works and it is efficient. And like, if you watch the armed services bowl from last year where Air Force kicked Baylor's ass doing a lot of under center flex bone stuff like it, it's like it's it still works you know and i think the thing that people say is like they changed the rules about downfield cut blocks uh which was a an element of you know how all the fbs um and you know fcs like um yeah and everybody of how the triple sort of works is you have guys cutting down the field like i mean that's what you know the, i don't remember the name of the kind of saw, saw state head coach but he was like oh yeah like that's we're not as explosive as we used to be because we can't do this which I'm sure there, there's truth to it. Um, and at the same time, like you see like every option offense has like, you know, their tight end going across the field, like split zone and then coming up and being a lead blocker. Like that, like the option offenses that are still running are basically doing the same concept with their blockers going downfield and just 
blocking second level players without cutting. So I'm not sure I necessarily buy that you can't still run an under center triple with the uh, rules being what they are. I mean, that might be, uh, that might be, you know, like uninformed of me or maybe I, I might be missing something there, but I would just still, still love to see it. And I think if you look at a program, like one of the teams I wrote a preview for was uh, UMass. And I mean, if you're, you're a school like that, it's going to have like institutional problems with getting guys in, uh, you know, with recruiting, like you might as well do it, you know, and especially for them, because I, they're an independent still. And I think that's what made the offense so well suited for the service academies is like, you get good at defending the triple. If you have guys, like if you play it a lot, you know, <laughs> which is why like army and Navy looks like it does. Uh, but if you're a non-conference team and like every like or I mean you're gonna have scheduling deals where you play people multiple times, of course. But if you're gonna have guys where they're learning to play the trip, they're seniors that have never played against the triple before. You know, it's yeah. not like you know Navy's in the American, so it's a little different where you have every week in camp, and then every week during the season you have a week where you're doing all this stuff, and that stuff like builds up over time. But if you're a true independent, like I think it's great. You know, so I'm sad that it's dying. And I don't know, I played, I played in the triple like uh, in high school uh, coming up. And I mean, I think there's, there's also like, if you want to be a real hipstery and be like, oh, <laughs> you know, the, there's ways it's always going to live on because the triple is both an identity and just a play that every team, that ton of teams run, you know, yeah. but, but <laughs> beyond that, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I do think it's a little sad because I think, there are ways to be creative with it. Like you can still have shifts in motion to sort of put people in binds, even out of that, that framework. So it's interesting stuff, but some, some I'm sad about, but I'm not. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think I, I wrote an article a few years back. Uh, I want to say back in like 2018, mm-hmm. around that time when Kansas was going through their like turmoil. Yeah. Um, I, I think I I said that they should have ran the option just because it gave it gives them a, a better opportunity to to win games because you know at this time I think this is Kyler Murray yeah this is Kyler Kyler, yeah. Kyler Murray was at Oklahoma like they were just smacking teams but like every like like the Big Ten I mean the Big Twelve offense was just like putting yeah. the points left and right but I've been like, saying that for years too back yeah like this. Kansas couldn't do it and I'm just like whoa. You watch Army versus Oklahoma, like Army almost beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it's like they were able to hold the ball and like beat um Oklahoma in time of possession. And that was the key. That's that's how they almost beat Oklahoma, just all keeping the ball away from their high powered offense. And I just think that a lot of teams need to adjust to it. They need to yeah. don't be don't be prideful and saying, Oh, it's not a glamorous offense. Man, listen, this is college football. Wins sell. Yeah. The dudes you're recruit, recruiting already go to Kansas, you know, like you're not exactly. missing out on, <laughs> I don't know. They have their own weird offense now. So you, I give them credit for having a unique yeah. offense with like, well, the, the TQB stuff that kind of made them, them fun and unique. So like they, they get a pass for now, but like, yeah, if yeah. they were, if they were running like inside zone glance RPOs, <laughs> right. Uh, Every other play, then yeah, we'd be having a different different conversation. <laughs> no, but I think Kansas has figured it out though. So salute to Coach Lightpool. He's doing a great job. I said he should have been. A, I said he should have been a coach at Illinois and not Coach Bielema, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, we both have a good success, coach so. though. He can, he can. But I just before yeah. Lightpool, I know 
Vipo was at UW Whitewater, one of the uh, yeah, talked about championship. So, yeah, man. So yeah. keep doing, yeah, keep doing your thing, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We're definitely, definitely pro, pro Kansas in general, and pro this current regime they have there. I think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think that only more good results are coming. I mean, I don't really know what the Big Twelve is going to look like personally. <laughs> like, uh, I had two previews in there, but like, I, I think it's hard to. I think they got a real fat middle in that conference. I think it's hard for me to 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 tell you who the best team in that conference is going to be next year. Or I guess, I guess going State. forward, I guess going, I guess, uh, yeah, even especially after Red River leaves, like who's who's going to be in the best best position? It's, it's, it's going to come down to Texas and Kansas State this year. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I, I was thinking beyond that, like, uh, which I, I apologize for sort of framing that framing that weird, but like. After Red River, was like I don't know who who we're looking at as like who's in the best position right now. Like I think that you can default like Kansas State. Like yeah, I've got I, I I really liked them last year. I like where they're going to be this year. And TCU obviously um, has like the priors right now that you want to give it to them. But I really don't know. Like I don't think the the gap between top and like I don't know West Virginia is a tough spot. <laughs> But like I don't think the gap between like the top and like the teams that are coming in now, like it's hard for me to sort of project forward. Yeah. I don't know. The West Virginia would be sound defensively like they like they usually are. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean obviously TCU has all of the momentum, but yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just some of the B12 is just it's never consistent. Like you always gonna get a new dog every year. So yeah. And, like, I don't know about, like, I think, like, I don't know how long Dana's going to be at Houston. Like, I think if it's a tough year this year, that, like, they might be moving on. And I think just, like, mm-hmm. I think they could, like, I, people have been saying this for <laughs> my whole life, or pretty much, you know, watching college football is, like, how good, uh, you know, Houston can be if they, like, maximize it. And I think they're in the best position they've been in since, like, I don't know, since the Southwestern Conference uh, fell apart. Mm-hmm. To kind of get back to to sort of their peak. I mean, we've had a ton of investment for years now, um, and they have all, all these advantages. So, I mean, if they crush their next hire, or if I don't want to like you know start out throwing dirt on Dana Holgerson already, but you know what what I think that that's I look to them, but I don't know. It's just a weird league, you know, with so little continuity. I'm not super high on Cincinnati going in there. I think. I don't think it was a good decision for West Virginia to go there. I think they've had a lot of problems kind of with the ge- geography of it all and kind of being, you know, I heard it sort of put put uh, this week. It's like, oh, you know, Texas school without Texas resources, you know, is basically <laughs> kind of the life you got to live yeah. uh, with that. So I don't know. Uh, I think that's that's the league I probably – have the the slipperiest grasp on us right now for their for their long term future that is. Okay. So are they joining the conference this year? Yeah, yeah. All the all the, oh, okay. all the schools are in this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's good. Red River and BYU, UCF, and UC are all in there this year. Oh, so it's it's the whole weird one off year where that happens. Gus back in Power Five. Ooh, boy. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a good point too. I mean being being, yeah. I mean I I I think that kind of speaks to what I'm saying is like, you know, I think the teams that are coming in there now, like, 
I don't know. I think they have have a chance to sort of be as uh like I don't I don't see them as super far behind the rest of the pack. That is with between Houston, BYU, I don't know, um, and uh Cincinnati and UCF all, you know, at least in recent years have been super competitive or project like they can be. I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, I mean I'm a huge Gus fan, so I think Gus Gus is like the godfather of what we know as college yeah. football. He doesn't get the respect that he's due, but hey, man, For you sure. know how college yeah. football media can be. They don't really show the love or respect. But yeah, man, Gus got all my support this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think UCF might make some noise in that conference you know, year one. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't see why not. I mean, yeah, they got the talent to, to surely do it. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're gonna beat. I don't know how to, how the schedules is in line, so I don't know if they're gonna cross stats with TCU. But I know That'd be they're gonna give, they're gonna give a lot of things around for their money. I do know that. So that is the scene what it shows fall for my, my my boy Gus. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, yeah, I think he's he's undeniably got as much of a as as any coach that's currently coaching right now, as much as especially offensively as being an innovator and you know having a a major major uh block. And you know the the the, the history of, of college football, you know you mm-hmm. can't tell can't tell a story of it without him by by all means. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's all we have today. I, where can people find you on the internet, Mark? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at markmoney underscore underscore. Hey, that's what we like to hear. You can find me on Twitter at Hef the Reporter. Been lovely talking to you as always. Thank you everybody oh. for joining. <laughs> for sure thanks to everybody for joining us and uh yeah you got anything you're working on right now um not a not uh, you know just catch up on the magazine and uh man just trying to get ready for the summer i might have something cooking up this summer so just be on the lookout for that beautiful all good things all good things i'm in the same boat well appreciate you all for joining us you can catch the transfer portal cfb podcast wherever you listen to those things or here on youtube with our little visual medium we got going so have a good one y'all